0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord, God, there are a lot of twists and turns in life. Get us off balance. And then there are those times when we fail and we get so devastated. Lord Jesus, we need you and we need the hope that only you can bring. Bless our time together and lead us to hope. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. There was a young girl that lived in Traverse City, Michigan. Like a a typical adolescent, she didn't always get along with her parents. In fact, sometimes it got pretty hot. and, And one evening, in fact, there was a big blow up. She ran to her bedroom down the hallway, and just as she was slamming the door, she yelled back over her shoulder, I hate you. And the door shut. There was silence and there were tears on both sides of the door. Later that night, the young girl actually ran away. She ran away to Detroit. She had only been there one other time. It was for a Tigers game, but for her, Detroit was this big city, a, a place of freedom and expression. So she went to Detroit, and she was there for about a day, day or two there. And, and then like on the second day, she met the nicest man, nicest man. And this guy had the nicest car she had ever seen. He took her to lunch. He got her an apartment and gave her some pills that made her feel better than she had ever felt before in her life. After about a month or so, this really nice guy taught her a few things. And before you know it, this young girl was bringing a a premium price. Because after all, she was young. Very rarely did she think of Traverse City or her parents. She just knew that that she was, at least in her own mind, free. And then one day when she was walking around the city, she saw one of those big billboards and, and her picture was on it. And underneath the picture, it said, Missing Child. After about a year or so, the the young girl became sick and she just couldn't get over it. And and finally, that really nice guy kicked her out of the apartment and onto the street because he said the clients don't want to be around someone who's always sick. And so there she was on the streets of Detroit, fearful as anyone would be, let alone a, a young girl. She continued to make money how she had become accustomed to. And as winter set in, she found herself sleeping out on the street, sleeping on the the grates and the sidewalks and in the alleyways to try and stay warm. She was still physically sick and now she was mentally broken too. And she cried and she cried and she cried. Finally, she decided she would call back home. She'd go home and and she called back and, and there was no answer. And she called a, a second time and still no one answered. And, and the third time, and this time she left a voicemail, said, mom and dad, I'd like to come back home. I'll, I'll be home tomorrow night around midnight. I bought a bus ticket and, and if you pick me up, that'd be great. And, and if you don't, if you're not there, I understand, I get it. I'll just get back on the bus. Well, the next afternoon, it was about five o'clock in Detroit when she got on the bus and began her journey back to Traverse City and hopefully her parents. Today, we're beginning a a new series called Hope in the Darkness. And what we want to find out today as we look into the scriptures is, is there hope after we have failed, even after we have failed is their hope. So maybe first off, do you know anyone who's failed? Anyone who needs hope after failure? I do. Let's, let's jump into the scriptures and see a guy. His name is Peter and, and see how he finds hope after failure. As we jump into the Scriptures, the the setting is, is Jesus has been resurrected. He has appeared to his disciples twice. And now today we're going to look at the, the third appearance to his disciples. And as Jesus appears to them this time, they are just coming back in after a night of fishing. And the Scripture says this. When they landed, the disciples, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And here's the backstory to that discussion that Jesus had with Peter. Peter was one of the original disciples of Jesus. And and so Peter had spent three years, day in and day out with Jesus. Wherever Jesus was, Peter was there. Peter had witnessed and experienced for himself Jesus' wisdom, Jesus' compassion, and Jesus' love. And on the night that, that Jesus is going to be betrayed, uh, falsely accused and arrested, he tells all of his disciples in this upper room, he tells them, guys, tonight before before morning comes, you all are going to fall away on account of me. And Peter's like, no way, no way, never. Jesus, I will die for you before I deny you. And Jesus looked at, at Peter and said, Peter, before the rooster crows in the, in the morning, you know, you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter's like, whatever, I'm not gonna do it. Okay? And so it plays out just as Jesus had said. He was falsely accused, he was arrested, they let him off and Peter followed at a distance. And that's where we pick it up again. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. (laughs) I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them, your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Literally, literally, one of Jesus' closest friends denies that he even knows Jesus when Jesus needs support like at no other time. Imagine what that would be like in your life if one of your closest friends, one of your top three, four, or five friends, whoever that is, one of them denied that they even knew you when you really could have used some support. That was Peter. They're gathered around that, at fire and a, and a young servant girl comes and, and says, hey, hey, this guy is one of Jesus' followers. And Peter's like, what are you talking about? I don't even know. What'd you say his name was? I don't know that guy. A little while later, a, another one came and said, surely you're one of them. And, and this time Peter goes, oh no, man, I swear to God. I, I swear to God, you guys, I don't know the guy. I don't know him at all. And then finally, someone else comes along and he says, man, you've got to be one of them. Your accent gives them away. And and Peter, then he just cusses like none other. Maybe even said some words we've never heard. He's like, I don't know the blanking guy. Leave me the blank alone. And the sun peeked up over the horizon and the rooster crowed and Peter looked across the way and made eye contact with Jesus. And he was crushed. He went out and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine the internal conversation Peter was having with himself? And can you imagine, you know, understand that, that Satan was right there too, adding fuel to the fire? Hey, Peter, you said you'd rather deny or you'd rather die than deny him. And you denied him so easy. That was such a huge fail, Peter. I'm glad you're not my friend. Your words are useless. Your life is a hoax. You're pathetic. Three strikes and you're out. Peter your whole life is one big fail. Have you ever been there? I have. And you know right this this wasn't the first time Peter had failed. Peter's this, this big-to-do, professional fisherman, and we have a, a number of accounts in Scripture where he goes out fishing, he drops the nets, fishes all night, brings the nets in, and they're empty. There's nothing there. Water's dripping. That's it. Failed. Have you ever had a day like that at work where nothing went right? And, of course, there were, there were even more Serious and important times, too. Like when Peter tried to keep Jesus from doing his, his job, what, what Jesus came to do. You know, thanks for the support, friend. Trying to do what, I, what he came to do, and you're trying to keep me from doing it. And, and understand, too, that if, if Peter succeeds in keeping Jesus from doing what he came to do, you and I would be in a world of hurt. So Peter was messing with us, too. And then there was the time when, when the little children were coming to Jesus, and Peter and all the other disciples are trying to shoo the children away and get them back and leave Jesus alone. doesn't have time for kids. Then there was a, another time when, when Peter tried to make con, uh, forgiveness conditional and limited as if he didn't need unconditional and unlimited forgiveness. Oh, the the list goes on. Peter had this huge list of failures. What about you? What's your list look like? Really? Imagine on your personal computer, you've got a a file folder on your desktop and it's got your name on it. It is your personal folder, file folder, right? And, And when you click on it, uh, it opens up a whole bunch of other file folders with all your fails there, right? So like, for example, there's a folder there that, that says lies that I've told. And then you click on that and all the files come out, all the lies that you told. Another folder is bad jokes that I've laughed at. And you open it up and, and there are all these jokes. Songs that I've listened to are all there, right? You know, times I've spoken about people behind their back. Another folder, it's kind of the same, but a little bit. Times I've spoken behind people's back, people that I didn't even know. Another folder, words that I've yelled at my parents. Next one again, somewhat like it. Words that I yelled at my parents underneath my breath so they couldn't hear them so I wouldn't get in trouble. Another folder, all the good that I didn't do. And again, there are are a whole bunch of folders, including this one, opportunities that I had to share Jesus with others that I didn't take. What do you do? with all those folders and all those files. Don't you, don't you try to delete them? You know, drag them across, put them in the trash can. But, but you know, when you do that, right? They just go flying right back into that folder. Can't delete them. Try to right-click on, delete, all that stuff. It just won't work. So what do we do? We've, we've got to keep that secret. And so we password up our computer to try and keep everything secret. And so it's really like our, our password really is secrecy. They're there, trying to keep them secret. What do you do with your failures? How do you try to keep all of that, that secret? You know, one of the, the things that we do right often is we'll compare ourselves with others. Maybe we're watching the news or, or we hear about something from one of our friends about what somebody else did. And we're like, I can't believe what people are doing these days. As if we're so good, right? As, as if we would never do anything bad. As if we had never openly rebelled against God. You know, it kind of keeps our things secret because we're better than that or we're giving that impression, right? Or how about this one too? We, we sometimes compensate. For our sins. We try to, for, for every bad thing we do, we try to do something good. So let's say there's this unnamed pastor. Uh, we could give him the name Bill, but we'll just keep him unnamed, okay? And and so let's say this unnamed pastor goes home uh, in the early evening after a long day, after a lot of intense counselings, and, and he's got a lot on his mind. You know, because there, there's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of hurt and, and everything's just So it's just weighing on him. And, and when he gets home and, and his wife is there, it, you know, maybe her name is Jackie, but it doesn't have to be or anything like that. But, you know, and, and she has gotten home in the early afternoon, prepared supper. And all she really wants to do then is is sit over supper and talk with her husband and engage and, and go back and forth. But, but this guy, Bill, or, or whatever his name is, is like... You know, I just want some peace and quiet. And he says that. Fail. Thankfully, it doesn't take him that long to realize how wrong he was, how inappropriate that was. And, and he goes and he apologizes to his wife and he says, let me make it up to you. Let me take, take you out to eat on, on Friday night. And that's all good and fine, right? That's great to go out to eat and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't take away the sin. It still happened. Or how about this one? I'll crush myself with guilt. I'll, I'll just heap the guilt on myself. My inner voice will rip me to shreds. But guilt doesn't take away the sin, does it? Guilt doesn't add anything to what Jesus has already done, already completed on the cross. You know, Satan loves when we try to use these sin dodges because they don't work. And he can just crush us. But you know, God has a, a different take on our sins. Remember our, our password. Secrecy, well, like Peter had mentioned earlier, maybe you remember he told Jesus, Lord, you know all things. Uh, Jesus knows our password. In fact, he, he knows the file folder names and all the files before he ever opens them up. But he comes in and he sits down beside us and he opens up our computer and he opens up the files Uh, and the folders, and and as he opens up the first folder and gets to the first file, he writes his name over it. Uh, Not in black, uh, but kind of like using the touchscreen and everything, it writes over it, and it's in red, and it, it really looks like... Blood red. And, and as he's writing his name, as he gets to that last S in Jesus and just finishes that last S, that, that file of the failure goes off our computer. It's erased off our computer and it goes onto his. And Jesus does that time and time again with every single file until there's nothing left. And then he gives us a file and places it on our desktop. And this one too, is is written out with his hand and, and in that that like red blood color, and the file says it is finished. see the, the issue isn't whether we're guilty or not; we are. The issue isn't, uh, however many times we've we've fallen into sin or how big the sin is. Scripture says this forever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. All of it. The good news is, as that Jesus has covered all of it for all of us no matter who we are. You see, our our failings into sin are our callings into grace. We may have left God, but God did not leave us. Here's how we know that. Scripture says, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Remember when Peter was with that other group of, of people and he was denying Jesus? Remember how he was around that fire of, of burning coals and, and you know what that smells like, right? You you kind of have that memory of what the, the fire burning coals smells like. Well, Peter did too, you know, smell is was one of those things that locks our, our memory in, and as, as Peter had come on the shore, Jesus had now another fire pit of burning coals going, and Peter could smell that, and his mind went back to when he denied Jesus. And now Jesus is using that similar setting to restore Peter, to give Peter an opportunity to share what's really on his heart, that yes, I do love you, Lord. And through all of this, Peter is forgiven and reinstalled in spite of his failures. There's hope. We need that same kind of savior, don't we? A savior that that doesn't just dismiss our sins, but a a savior who pays for them, no matter what they are, whether they are bad things that we've done or, or good things that we've left undone. Because of Jesus, you and I, like Peter, are released from our guilt, restored into our relationship with God, and reinstalled to our callings. For Peter, his calling looked like this. He would go out and and he would form congregations and God would use him to write a couple of books along the way that would find themselves into the Bible. Now keep in mind, Peter wasn't perfect going forward. He still messed up from time to time, but he was forgiven and he was empowered. And that brought him hope and purpose. Remember that young girl that had uh, just gotten on the bus in Detroit to go back home. Well, as the, the bus is going on mile after mile, you know, she is, she's just empty on the inside. And she starts to think about all the flaws in her plan. You know? What if she knew she had the right phone number, but what if it wasn't the right phone number? What if she had called someone else's house? Or what if it was the right phone number, but my parents had switched their number? What if they were on vacation? Then her mind drifted to, what would she say? You know, if, if her parents are there, what would she tell them? Start thinking about all the things that, that she could say about how sorry she was and, and all those different things. Start thinking about, you know, what will that bus terminal look like? Will anybody be there? Will it be full? Would I be able to see my parents if they're there? What if no one's there for me? And the bus is making its way in it. About seven hours later, right at midnight, they pull into the bus terminal in Traverse City. And the bus driver says over the intercom, Traverse City, Michigan, 15 minute stop. The girl had butterflies in her stomach. She tried to fix her hair. She didn't want to spend a a lot of time doing that though because if her parents weren't there, she'd just end up getting back on the bus. She took a deep breath and began to walk off the bus. And as she turned the corner and made her way into the terminal, what she saw was something she never imagined that she would see. It never even crossed her mind. When she walked into the terminal, there was this great crowd of people, about 40 people, family and friends there to welcome her. They had her names on poster boards. There was balloons. There were flowers. Her dad came booking out of the middle of that crowd and ran to her and hugged her, and they were both crying. And the girl tried to get it out, tried to get it out that she loved him and that, that she was sorry, but, but her father hushed her. And said, it's okay, we don't, we don't have time for that. We've got to get back home because there's a party waiting for you. You know, that you and I are that young girl in the story, right? We've rejected God for one reason or another, at one time or another. No matter how big our failure was or how many times we failed it, and even if we think we've gone too far, guess what? Jesus is still there. And he runs to us and he welcomes us and he forgives us and he loves us and he gives us hope even after failure, even after many failures. Because of Jesus, we not only have the hope of a party waiting for us, but we also have purpose in our lives. Jesus says to you and me, like he said to Peter, you know, he said to Peter, feed my sheep for you and me, what he's saying in effect for us today, the translation is, is love people, serve people. There's never been a more important time in the history of the world than right now for you and me to love people and to serve people. See, just as you and I haven't gone too far, neither has anyone else. And you and I, like Peter, are called to go near and far with only the hope that the resurrected Jesus can bring, because understand there's someone there, someone you know right now who needs the hope of forgiveness and the hope of purpose in life. So for you and me who are Christians, what a tell you is lean in to your forgiveness and then lean forward into your purpose. And you'll find that hope in Jesus has always been there. And for those of you who are maybe a little bit skeptical or just trying things out, what I would encourage you to do is lean into Jesus for full and free forgiveness. Don't try to compare. Don't try to compensate. Don't load on the guilt. Just receive your forgiveness and see if that won't propel you forward in life with new hope, and new purpose. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. You've taken it all away, all the bad, all our failures, and you never, ever even think of calling us a failure. You love us. And you pick us up and you say, let's go, let's, let's share what I've done for you because I've done it for all people. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together and for helping us to realize the hope and the purpose and the joy that we have that because of you, There is sure hope, even after failure. In your powerful and saving name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.